Welcome to the Dark Things Podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 3, and today we are going to be discussing The Watcher of Westfield, New Jersey. And uh, this is going to be a pretty unsettling episode, I think. Yeah. Have you ever heard of this story before, Andrew? Yeah, I have, and I've read the letters and everything, and mm-hmm. it's pretty damn creepy. Yeah, it really is. Uh, so we're going to talk about a little bit, um, basically the gist of it is a family buys their Dream home in New Jersey, only to immediately begin receiving strange and threatening letters signed by this mysterious person called the Watcher. They begin to fear for their children's safety and their own sanity. Who is writing these letters to the Broadus family? Today we cover an unsolved mystery that is going to leave you fearing for your own sanity. All right, so hopping in, we're going to go over the backstory just so that listeners are kind of aware of the situation that we're dealing with here. Uh, In June of 2014, Derek and Maria. Uh, Broadus had just closed on their 1.3 million six-bedroom dream home in Westfield, New Jersey. The house was only a few blocks from Maria's childhood home, and Derek had just become senior vice president in an, uh, in an insurance company in Manhattan, which allowed him uh, allotted him a huge salary to afford this home. They bought the property only days after Derek's 40th birthday and joyously began moving in all of their belongings into 657 or 657 Boulevard. Uh, home. One evening, as Derek was finishing a day of painting outside the house, he went outside to check the mailbox where he found an envelope that was addressed to the new owner in thick and clunky handwriting. Creepy. Yeah, it's super creepy. So, yeah, like, like Andrew said a little bit in the introduction, they, uh, he got this new job, and so he was earning quite a bit of money. And so the Westfield, Westfield New Jersey, that area is super posh, super bougie. Like more than, I mean, Hollywood or Beverly Hills, would you uh, say? No, I wouldn't say. I would say it's mostly businessmen that commute into New York City. Okay. Um, the average income of that area is about two hundred dollars to $250,000 a year. So, Pretty I mean, steep. It's, it's, it's a very wealthy neighborhood. That's what kind of shocked this whole area when this stuff started happening. So the first letter arrived to the family um, at 657 Boulevard in June 2014, before the Broadduses had even a chance to move all their stuff in. The couple that had uh, just sold them the house later told them about this letter, but I basically what had happened was uh, the day before Broadduses moved in, the current family got a letter, and um, they failed to disclose it, which later in, later in the show we're going to talk about how yeah. that was really bad for them. It was really fucked up. So, I hate that they did that. Yeah, it really was that they that they disclosed that. So the Broadduses finally moved in, and uh, they first found this first letter, and here's what it says. We're going to read this word for word. Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. How did you end up here? Did 657 Boulevard call you with its force within? 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now. And as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of this house? 
Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. I already see that you have flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. Tisk tisk tisk. Bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. You have children. I have seen them. So far, I think that they are three, and I have counted. Are more on the way? Do you need to fill the house with the young blood as I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family? Or was it greed that brought, you my, that brought me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. Who am I? Hundreds of cars pass by the house every single day. Maybe I am in one. Check all the windows that can be seen from 657 Boulevard. Perhaps I'm in one. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. The Watcher. Dude, that's like max-level creeper. Like, Peeping Tom, dude, doesn't have any shit on The Watcher No, right now, seriously, dude. like, if... It's just, honestly, just super unsettling. Yeah. Like, you save all this money... You're so excited. You buy this amazing house, and then this shit just happens day one. Dude, and they're not even moved in yet, bro. They're, they're not like even moved literally in. unpacking the truck, and they mm-hmm. get their first little piece of letter mm-hmm. or mail, you know? So, and it, so the envelope came, and it had obviously no return address. No one knew who it was. It had this like really big, clunky, is how you described it, uh, handwriting written in big black block ink. Yeah. So, just like really scary. Um, Dude, can it's, we? We got to, like, address the fact that, like, where was he, dude? Because, I mean, I like that he addresses, you know, am I in a car? Am I in the window? Exactly. Am I outside across yeah. the street? Am I a neighbor, like, in the house? Am I on someone's roof? Like, mm-hmm. dude. Basically saying, like, you will never know who I am. Yeah. Because this is his introduction letter. that He wrote three more, and we'll get, a, we'll get into those as well. But yeah. this is basically his introduction letter. So I don't know if you kind of want to pull it apart, Andrew, but... um. Uh, one thing that stood out to me was the part that he was talking about, about young blood I requested. Yeah. I don't know what that's about. Well, I mean, he's talking about children, right? At least when I was looking at the letters, I'm like, he's got to be talking about children. Like young blood as mm-hmm. in like the children they're bringing to him. Because oftentimes throughout these letters, he refers to like, thank you for bringing them to me. Like, this is what I want. Like, mm-hmm. you have to protect them because I'm going after them. And it's like, oh, shit. And you know? another thing that's interesting about this total is... uh. The family that lived in the house before that sold them the home had no children. Really? And they didn't receive any letters before Oof. this. So you got to think of that. That's a big, important step, I think. Yeah. Fuck, oh, dude. I mean, the only other thing that sticks out to me in this letter is mainly that young blood thing. But there was one more. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, oh, yeah, right here. Uh, was it greed that brought me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. It's like, bro, that's the creepiest thing you could possibly say to a young family. Yeah. Like, I'm going to take your kids. Yeah. Once I find that out. And, you, and yeah. I hate that he says that they're gonna, he's going to draw them to him. It's like, the, on their own accord, they're basically going to agree to come with me. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, God, bro, that's disturbing. Yeah. So, um, as I was saying, there was no return address on the envelope. Derek, of course, the father, called the police. And the officers that responded believed it was a, just a prank. Which, you know, as you do, <laughs> you know, it could have been like yeah. someone doesn't want these people here. Obviously, you don't know. There's no evidence that there's going to be any like malicious intent. 
from this person. I mean, obviously the letter sounds like it's threatening, but no real like evidence that anything's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so uh, the officers couldn't do anything about it at the time except for take photographs and as the note um, and keep it as evidence. So Derek returned to his family at their former home and emailed the previous owners who were John and Andrea Woods. And he, that's when he asked him, he's like, yo, <laughs> what the hell is going on? <laughs> and uh, they replied the next morning that in the 23 years they had lived at the house, they had never received any letters of the sort until just the day before they transferred the property to the broadest family. How convenient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the day we left, we actually got a letter. Everything exactly. before then, nope. Yeah, so that is, I don't know. That makes me think a little bit about... dude. This is suspicious, all right? Just because, like, obviously we don't want to disclose everything that happens at the end. But, like, drawing the parallels, them saying that is just too convenient. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, not until right before we left. Interesting. Yeah, literally just days before they left. Very sus. Um, so as this was going on, the Broadduses had contract workers working inside the house doing a renovation. So mm-hmm. the construction continued and the Broaddus family returned to living in the home after a few weeks of not getting a letter. Because, you know, at this point, they're probably like, okay... That was scary, but, you know, we just literally spent, like, what was it, like $1.5 million yeah, on this house? a ton. Like, we're not just going to live in our old house. Right. <laughs> and, okay, here's another thing that I find kind of suspicious about this. Generally, when someone buys a house, like, I just bought my house a couple months ago, you sell your old house, and then you hurry and move into your new one. Yeah. So the fact that these people still have their old house available to them, and they're in this new house now, like, I that's kind of suspicious, don't you think? Just a bit. Just a bit. Because, yeah, why would you be holding on to it? Unless we're just assuming that because of their, you know, level of equity as far as money goes, maybe they're not able to sell it because it's an expensive home as well. However, you're, like you're saying, people don't just do that. Yeah. Generally, you know, I mean, I f- think with most cases, people will sell their house. They'll either, if they're young, they might go to live with their parents for like a few weeks while they're transitioning or while the final closing details are going on in their new house yeah. or like as soon as they close on their house, they immediately sell their old one. You right. Know? Well, yeah. Cause right now with this circumstance, they'd be paying double payments. You exactly. Know? Which Unless is their insane. first house was paid off, but it, this young couple, who knows? Yeah. I don't know. We don't really know a whole lot of backstory on the Broadduses, so we can't judge them for that. But I do think that, that that is an important detail to flag. Oh, for sure. About uh, do you want me to hop into the second letter? Uh, yeah, let's go ahead. So this is the okay. second letter that they received just a couple weeks. So they had moved their kids back in. They started living in the house during all this. All right, let's go. Letter number two. Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard. The workers have been busy and I have been watching you unload careful of your uh, personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. The house is crying from all of the pain it is going through. You have changed it and made it so fancy. You are stealing its history. It cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roamed its halls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard, when I ran from room to room, imagining the life with the rich occupants there. The house was full of life and young blood. Then it got old, and so did my father. But he kept watching until the day he died. And now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time they will. I am pleased to know your names now, and name of the young blood you have brought to me. You certainly say their names often. 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of a house. 
Have you found all of the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement, or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic, or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the Watcher, and have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too, Broadus family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. The Watcher. That's creepy, dude. Oh, God, bro. That just, even reading it, it's like, ugh. So, <laughs> he says that he roamed its halls. Yeah. But then he also says that it was a good time, 1960s, 1970s, when he ran from room to room, imagining the life of the rich occupants there. Yeah. So, he didn't actually live there. No. But it said his father owned it, though. That's the thing, though. So, is he just like... No, no, no. He never said his father owned it. Wait, hold up. It he said right his here. father watched it. Why would his father watch the house, though? Dude, that, he said his grandfather watched it, too. It's his whole family that's been watching it since the 1920s. Oof. So he says that he was roaming its hallways, and because look what he said. He says, then it got old, and so did my father, but he kept watching until the day he died. So he never actually owned the house, this guy. Interesting. He just, but it seems like it. does it not seem like either his father or grandfather owned it? Because the way he talks about it is like it seems like this has been passed down, but maybe he didn't get it. It does seem like it's been passed down, but not passed down in the in the fact that like they owned it. It's just it's been passed down that it, they've been watching it. So they're all creepy. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it's made out to be, at least. Okay. All right. All right. So. I don't know. I don't get the obsession with the kids. No, and that's the thing is it's not even the house at this point. It's literally the kids, and uh-huh. it's definitely obvious now because the uh, wards, the ones that lived in there before, literally no problems. This family moves in with kids. Now we have problems. Now there's major problems, and it sounds like the past three families that lived there didn't have kids either. Yeah. So, and the, the woods said they lived there 23 years, and now it's like he's all excited that there's kids in the house again. So maybe the guy's just like a pervert, dude. Well, straight up, because, I mean, it gets to the point where this letter is way more too focused on children. I mean, uh-huh. he's going over uh, which room will they be in. I will know. Will they even go in the basement? And if they do, like, I wouldn't because you couldn't hear them scream. It's like, dude, does this guy have a secret tunnel to the basement? Like, what is going on here? It's almost like he's, like, saying, like, stay out of the basement, you know? Yeah. Which is just a good scare tactic. It I mean, is. because everyone's scared of basements. I don't like being in them, and there's nothing wrong with them, you know? But you yeah. say, don't go in the basement, and it's like, oh, shit, you better not go down there. Yeah. Whatever it is, you know? Or who has the bedrooms facing the street. So I was looking up pictures of this house, 657 Boulevard. Yeah, let's pull them up real quick so um, we can talk about it. We'll there's a lot picture. of windows on the house. But, like, they're straight. Like, so it's a Dutch colonial house. Mm-hmm. 
Um, this is the renovation that happened, and it looks really nice, honestly. Yeah. But, like, the windows are weird, dude. Like, there's a lot of windows on the main level, and then if you look at the top, there's more windows, but, like, one of the windows is, like, sideways. Yeah. It almost kind of looks like the Abneville Horror House. Horror house, not whorehouse. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> Very important. <laughs> um, but, like, this house doesn't seem super nice no like there's nothing really that unique about it no and for me when i look at it aside from the weird windows it literally looks like a barn that was built on its side like you took the side of a barn and that's where you put like the front porch and everything yeah yeah like it's just like that whole dutch colonial type house but um i don't know it's just there it does not seem like anything special no and for 1.5 million like (laughs) definitely not worth it and if you look at the inside which we're looking at right now semi-decent Definitely has been recently renovated, but it is nothing like modern. Like that no. good modern style that we have now, not even present in this house. No, it's not. Like it's a nice house, of course, but I think the reason why it was so much money is because of the location in proximity to New York City. Yeah, because it's pretty close. But um, yeah, man. Like I, I don't, I don't get it. Like there's nothing that seems that there's a lot of windows though. Is the scary thing. It is. It's and I'm not open. seeing any blinds or anything. Like, okay, first thing we're going to do with this renovation is put blinds on these damn windows Straight if people are going to be peeking inside. All right, so I was watching a crazy video on YouTube where they were trying to sell a $20 million house in Beverly Hills, and this house is beautiful, like way prettier than the one we're looking at now. Lots of technology, lots of open space. Their whole kitchen and living room area is a giant window that can open as a door and get complete access to the backyard. But... They are also surrounded by insane amounts of trees. Their property is elevated. They got a huge gated fence. No one can see into the property or get access into it because of the security and the cameras and everything. But they're allowed to have that privacy because of the walls and the shrubbery. This house has got the same thing going on. They have a lot of windows, but nothing protecting them from having that privacy, you know? Yeah, like the street. Like you can literally just see see into the house probably at night. Yeah. There's no blinds. There's no curtains. There's no... At least with the pictures online. But even the backyard, there seems like there's not even a fence. So, like, it's just kind of like a whole open yard. Right. That people could sneak around. Well, it's like all this guy has to do is do one stroll by, look through his binoculars, notice one thing, and address the whole letter around that one thing. Around that. Yep. That's it. Yep. So. He does find out the kids' names, though. Oh, God. So, like, how? how? Probably hearing them out in the yard, maybe. Yeah. I mean, because kids love to be outside. That's the only thing I could imagine. But that also means that the family did see him, potentially. He was around. Oh, I'm sure they did. And Letter 3 even talks about that. And I think that they did have um, contact with him. So we're going to kind of go. Do you want to go into Letter 3 now? Yeah, let me end that little last little blurb and then we'll hop in. Okay. So at this point, the Broadus family stopped bringing their children to their new home completely. Fear for what would happen to their children gripped them. And they began to question if they would ever return to the home themselves. which. I don't know if we want to stop and talk about that for a second. Yeah, like, I, I would not bring my kids there. Hell no. If that was happening. <laughs> no way. Especially if, like, just put yourself in the wife's position. Like, Mrs. Broadus, she's just home probably with the small kids. Yeah. He's miles away, probably a good hour or two away in New York City. Oof. And so, like, she's literally home alone in the middle of the day. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah. Oof. That's scary. Hell no, With a dude. bunch of little kids. So I'm like, I would probably... And, you know, I don't think the Watcher knew where their other house was that they moved from. Who yeah. knows? But, I mean, let's be honest. Let's be, like, real here. These parents are awesome. Like, the fact that they recognize that this is a potential threat, and they literally decide they're not going to bring their children in there anymore. 
Like, I'm glad they didn't just cope with it and be like, oh, yeah, maybe it is a prank. Let's just, you know, try it out and, you know, live in this home. It's like, hell no. They're literally targeting our children. We are not bringing them back. And that is very important. I'm glad they did that. Yeah. It's not like a horror movie where people are like, oh, it's just a prank. It's just a prank. And then at the end, they all get killed. But, yeah. Because that's literally how like all horror movies are. Um, so a couple weeks go by and they the kids are living at the old house. And letter three arrives as mysteriously as letter one and two. And so they open up letter three and here's what it says. 657 Boulevard is turning on me. It is coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? It used to be my friend, and now it is my enemy. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass, and for you to bring back the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the children. Sorry. Come back. Let the young blood play again like I once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it and let it alone. Dude, this just sounds like a clingy boyfriend that can't get over his ex, dude. Except right, right now he's obsessing over children. Like, like turning on, He keeps saying it's turning on him, the house and stuff. So, yeah, they renovated it, so he could have been angry at that. But it sounds like he's mad that the kids left. Yeah. Which, no shit, they're going to leave. Like, you're some creepy dude. Yeah, you just literally said you're going to target them. And it's creepy <laughs> how he says, like, come and let them sleep again. Because you never know, dude. Maybe he was watching them sleep. Oh, fuck, dude. Fuck. Okay, the one thing that creeps me out is when he talks about the walls. Like, have they found its secrets? And then he's upset that they're renovating. So it's like, did he have something in there? Did he have, like, an audio device? Did he have secret access oh, to underground yeah. tunnels? Mm. Did the and I want to know did the construction crew find anything? Like when or did they just tear it down? Because let's be honest, they didn't find anything when they demolished though. Because if you think about the way they do construction with just taking down walls, it's not like they're being careful about taking shit down. You literally just smash it to pieces and remove it and then build up. So I don't think they I don't think they tore any walls down though. I think that the renovations they did were just like light cosmetic renovations. We're talking like this, kitchen stuff, like yeah, cabinets. Like and cabinets lights. and and appliances. There was no walls being taken down. Like this wasn't a major one, I don't believe so. But it was just mostly like you know, new tile, new carpet, new paint, all that stuff. So hmm. that's freaky. It makes it more confusing too, because that wouldn't alter any of his plans, quote unquote. Um it might. Like if they're like taking out like old time cabinets and and banisters and stuff, it could have. Yeah. Maybe he's obsessed with like the history of it. That's a good point. So, hmm. but I don't think they did any wall work. It would be interesting to go in there and like like do an x-ray of the walls. Oh. They find like 200 kids bones in the walls. Oh god. That'd that reminds creepy. me of that one show. What's the show, the movie with like the bones in the walls? Uh, Haunting in Connecticut? Yeah, that sounds about right. I think it's Haunting in Connecticut. Yeah, scary. Dude, okay. Like I don't know. This gets more confusing just cuz like I don't know. It's it's written really weird as well. Yeah. Like the word play and everything. I think the police did an analysis of the words and they said it was written by like someone from the 1800s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they did. said that like this is how someone would speak in the 1800s, which is Dude. scary. So someone just obsessed with yeah, that time period. Probably. 
It would explain why they'd be upset with the renovations, but okay. Probably. Okay. So um, obviously the Baradas family was pretty like in financial peril at this time because they were paying mortgage on their old house and their new house. Yeah. And they didn't even want to live in their new house. Um, so I, so it says here that they sold their old house and they moved in with Maria's parents concerned for their physical safety and for the health of their marriage. Maria and Derek decided that they needed to sell the house six months after the watchers letters first arrived. The house was put back on the market. However, with the high asking price and media coverage, it made the house very difficult to sell. Local gossip would also deter interested buyers. So honestly, that's like a really frustrating situation to be in. Yeah. Because you know you're getting these letters and, you know, they probably put the house back on the market for a lot more than they bought it for because they just did all these really nice renovations on it. They modernized the house. And now they're, like, saying, okay, well, we just want to, like, break even on the house and no one wants to buy it. Yeah, well, who would? After that, yeah. be like, hey, someone's going after our children. Please buy this house from us. By the way, it's yeah. a six-bedroom, really roomy for a good family to move into. Like, <laughs> hell no. Open concept, open windows. I mean, we don't even have any damn curtains on the windows. That's <laughs> yeah. how open it is. <laughs> Your whole life is a full front view movie for anyone on the right? sidewalk. Dude, they're probably those people that just, like, walk butt-ass naked around their house, too. Oh, like. <laughs> this is the way those people be. i know dude those nudists. people <laughs> you know we have one of those in utah right there's like a nudist retreat getaway that's up by like park city yeah it's called beaver creek have you been <laughs> <laughs> have you seen beaver creek or you've been to beaver creek well there are some beavers walking around beaver creek i know that <laughs> i can't bro i can't anyways okay so <laughs> <laughs> no more beaver for Hunter, dude. He doesn't even appreciate it for what it is. <laughs> so, okay, so six months, we'll get back into it. Sorry. Six months after the Watcher's first letter arrived, um, they put it up for sale. Okay. Um, am I hopping in with the so one year? Yeah. Okay. All right, we'll cut that right there. Cut, 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 cut. All right, so one year after the originally, um, one year after originally buying the house, Derek and Maria filed a legal suit against the Woods. They insisted that the law required full disclosure of the stocking letter the Woods received just prior to closing. They claimed fraudulent concealment, intentional and negligent infliction of emotional distress, and several other issues related to the sale of the property. Judge Camille M. Kenny threw out the charges and dismissed the case, stating that he didn't want to enforce a burden on future sellers on what they need to disclose to buyers. Dude, it's kind of messed up in a way. Yeah. Like, I kind of feel bad for the woods because if I was in their situation and I just, like, I've lived in a house, nothing bad has happened in 23 years, and then all of a sudden, the day before I sell it, all of a sudden this weird shit happens. Yeah. I would just be like, and, you know, closing costs and stuff, those take, you know, days to weeks to figure out. So the house was already in a transition period. That's true. So, like, if they would have disclosed it, I don't think anyone thing would have happened in the first place. No. Well, and that's the thing is like, all right, white lies, are they really harmful? No, but they're usually stuff that you don't need to say. Like, is my ass fat? That is not a question you need to say yes to. But yes. like, let's take, a look. <laughs> but let's take a look at this. I mean, if you were to tell their realtor, right? If you're selling this house, like, oh yeah, like realtor who's taking care of selling this house to the other people, like might want to mention we got like a crazy letter, but probably not a big deal. Like, as you were saying, I don't think it would have changed anything. And then two, them withholding that information, I don't think really does anything. Because at that point, it's like, all right, we're going to sell the house. Like, this is just a letter. They probably it's a, don't... And it's a day or two before they move in. Like, honestly, probably all the paperwork is already done. Yeah. Yeah. 
all the paperwork was done. Like, they probably already almost had the keys to the house, too, at this point. Straight up. So it wouldn't have made a difference. So the fact that they're trying to sue the woods, I think, is just a cash grab. Oh, for sure. Like, they're in a, and they're obviously desperate because they sold their old house. They're moving in with the parents. And, I mean, I feel bad for Derek and Maria because it's kind of degrading. Like, we're millionaires. We just bought this $1.5 million house, and now we're living with her parents. Yeah. Like, because we have nowhere else to go. So it's degrading. They probably felt vulnerable, and they're like, all right, well, let's just sue the woods then. Because they're trying, and we'll go in, we'll talk about what Derek does, because it's crazy, the extent he goes to find out who this watcher is. Yeah. Like, he hires, like, a team of private investigators. He uses a lot of money to find out what is going on. And so I feel bad for him, and he's trying to, like, find someone to blame. And I feel bad because he blames the woods that this is happening. Dude, I have a theory, though, because the fact that he goes that in depth, I almost think he's crazier than the watcher. I'm like, dude, you need to chill the fuck out. And we'll talk about that in the suspects. Yeah. I'm like, dude, this guy is insane. (laughs) Okay. Um, But with that, though, I want to just go over the fact that, like, this family that moved into the house, it's completely reasonable that they would sue. Like, if I was in the same position, like, I understand both arguments. If you're selling, yeah, the white lie is not a big deal. But if you're also living in that house and potentially buying it, like, that would be a reason to sue. Because it's like, dude, we can't even live in this house. Why did we just buy it? Yeah. Like, that was fucked. But once again, there's not enough evidence to even push that case, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so the Broadduses, in kind of a last resort plan, they attempted to get... And I definitely want to flag this, because this is very fishy, this whole thing. Yeah. Um, they attempted to get permission from the city's planning board to destroy the house and divide the property into two separate lots. Yeah. For new homes to be built on. Uh the planning the city planning board rejected the proposal, citing issues with lighting and the potential to harm the trees adjoining the property. <laughs> of course they did, dude. Yeah. Damn um, trees and properties, dude. Always yeah, a like, big oh, deal. Oh, it's going to affect the lighting of the neighborhood. What the hell? <laughs> like however, the Broadus family was able to find a family who agreed to rent the house having grown-up children and two large dogs. This only offset the mortgage payments of the Broadus, but did not cover them completely. So basically they're paying, they're still, they're charging rent for this family that's living in their multi-million dollar home. Yeah. But it's not even covering the mortgage, which that honestly sucks, dude. Yeah. That is a bad position to be in. That's just like a rock and a hard place situation. For sure. Um, so they did get a little relief with renting the house and the people that rented the house, like they didn't. While they rented it, nothing bad happened. They did get one letter as they moved in, and we'll talk. We'll read that next. But like, the fact that Derek wanted to destroy the house and build two new homes—that kind of sounds fishy as well. Yeah, there's a lot of sus in this. A lot, tons, and the lot does not look that big. No, it's so a it's piece. Like, dude, this house looks like horseshit, literally. Like, I mean, it's it's not that nice. It's for one point five million. No. Why do people want to buy this? Like, just tear it down, build a new one. Mm-hmm. Like straight up. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Property value in New Jersey is, I guess, very high. And this is a like I said, nice, very nice neighborhood. And and if I was on the city planning board, I'd be like, nah, you can't do that. Because like two lots, like what are you going to do? Build two sheds? Because that's yeah. all this lot could hold. Straight up. So, Oof. but it still sounds fishy that he wanted to do that. And it could have been that he's trying to like get his get his investment back you know yeah but i don't know i still think that maybe they have something to do oh for sure all right letter four go ahead okay violent winds and bitter cold to the vile and spit or sorry let me start over okay (laughs) spit spitful (laughs) Uh, okay letter number four ready and begin 
Okay, letter four. Violent winds and bitter cold to the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria. You wonder who the watcher is? Turn around, idiots. Maybe you even spoke to me. One of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the watcher could be. Or maybe you do know, and you are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. I walked by the news trucks, and they took over my neighborhood and mocked me. I watched as you watched from the dark house in an attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. 657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates. My soldiers of the boulevard followed my orders to a T. They arrived, uh, they carried out their mission, and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the Watcher. Maybe a car accident, maybe a fire, maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away but makes you feel sick day after day after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet. Loved ones suddenly die. Planes and cars and bicycles crash. Bones break. Ooh, and that's it, dude. He doesn't even end it. No. I mean, he kind of ends it with, like, all hell the watcher. Um, he, like, I don't know. That's freaky. Just because that seems so threatening, kind of. Oh, yeah. But it doesn't really make sense. Like, it kind of seems like rambling, honestly. It does. Well, like my soldiers of the boulevard follow my orders. Like, okay, who are you? You're bringing up like soldiers now? What? His army of ants, dude. He sent them in underneath the door. <laughs> no, dude, but like, all right, the tone of this letter compared to the first three, all right, you go from creepy to him verbally um, aggressive in this letter. Like, the way he's describing his emotions and the way he's, you know, addressing them, he's upset. It's basically like he's been almost exposed and he basically confronts the fact that this family, the broadest family, knows who it is, but they're too, you know, pussy to say anything about it. Yeah. So So you keep referring to the watcher as a he. Maybe it's a she. Well, I'm gonna continue on with that. Okay, so Okay, let's go. Uh the investigators took some of the envelopes and they ran a DNA test and analysis on one of the envelopes and it determined that the DNA garnered from the letter belonged to a woman. So the watcher dun 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 is a it's a she watcher. <laughs> it's a she watcher. <laughs> It's a watch S. Watch S, yep, that's right. Um, so detectives took a look at the Langfords. So the Langfords are are gonna be our primary suspects in this, and we'll talk about our theories why. But Abby Langford was a real estate agent who lived next door. How convenient. I know. So, you know, <laughs> like there was no evidence found that tied Abby to the letters other than the fact that, oh, hey, she's a real estate agent, which obviously that would make her a suspect in this. Oh, for sure. Because this is all about, like, property and stuff. But she had a brother, Michael Langford, and he turned out to be, like, really freaky. So the Langfords, uh, Derek accused that um, the Langfords were behind the letters because they were, like, a super eccentric family. They lived literally right next door. And they had a long history in the era in the area. The detective said that the Langford family's reputation was very well known in the neighborhood, and they were questioned about the letters. The detective said Mr. Langford denied all knowledge of the letter, and that his speaking manner and mental disorders convinced the detective he was not able to write in the same fashion as the letter's author. Uh, they they think that Derek or sorry not Derek uh, Michael Langford had schizophrenia. Oh shit. And it okay. kind of sounds like someone with schizophrenia wrote these letters. Yeah. Someone seen For sure. It. Um 
But Derek hired a private investigator to dig up dirt on the Langfords, but this amounted to absolutely nothing. The police even, like, tried to investigate the Langfords, but it brought up nothing. Um, the only thing about the Langfords that's strange is that Mr. Langford, Michael Langford, was famous in the neighborhood for walking about at night and passing by people's windows while, while looking in. <laughs> dude, okay. I know it says they ruled him out. Mm-hmm. But, dude, like, you can't rule him out. If he's looking if in he's people's windows, that, yeah. there's no way. But a lot of people in the neighborhood were saying, like, you know, he's just, he was, like, a really nice type of guy, though. Like, one of the neighbors across the street said Michael Langford would take the newspaper from his doorstep yeah, and, like, go and put it on the neighbor's doorstep and knock on their door. Like okay. he, And then he would, like, have all these conversations with neighbors around, and he would never be the type of person to do, like, nefarious letters. He had mm. schizophrenia, but it was, like, he was a nice guy. Yeah. And a lot of people in the neighborhood would say, like, oh, he was in my backyard because we were doing a renovation or something, and he was, like, looking at all the stuff. Which, to me, is crazy because they were literally doing a renovation on this house yeah. when all this stuff was happening. So he could have been looking as well. Yeah. So... Like, we'll go through our theories uh, towards the end, but the Langfords, I would definitely say prime suspects. Yeah, for sure. Michael Langford. For and sure. then his sister, Abby Langford, she's a, she's a real estate agent. <laughs> yeah. So she could also have something to do with it. Could be a lot going on there. And she could have written the letters as well. Because, like I said, they, they had female DNA on the envelope. Right. Very sus. Yeah. So do you want to go ahead and talk about the next suspects? Yeah, let's go over it. So the Broadus' family themselves. Whoa, who would have thought? Who would have thunk that could have been the Broadus's? In the end, it was them. (laughs) (laughs) So, some other Westfield residents um, suspected the Broadus's may have been sending the notes themselves as part of some twisted real estate scheme or buyer's remorse, the magazine reported. He wrote the letter shortly after town officials stood in the way of a plan the Broadus's came up with as a last resort. They applied to tear the house down and build two houses in its place. The town's planning board unanimously rejected the proposal. Three years after buying the house, Broadus sent some letters of his own to the neighbors, who had been especially critical of him and his wife. People who received his letters said that they referred to acts of domestic terrorism and that had stemmed from mental illnesses gone unchecked. The notes were signed, Friends of the Broadus Family. Meanwhile, the Broaduses had become consumed with finding the author themselves. Over the years, they have been, or they have had two former FBI agents, a private investigator, a security firm, CEO, and a forensic linguist on the case, according to New York Magazine. Six months after they had closed on the house, the Broadus's initial solution was to sell the home they had never lived in. In their first efforts to sell the house, the Broaduses felt compelled to disclose the letters to potential buyers, which made the value of the home plummet. They took it off the market. In 2016, Broadus's put the house on the market again at a severely reduced price, but no one would buy the home even at a discount. The Broadus's still own 657 Boulevard, but rent it out for less than their mortgage payment. The first renters got the fourth and last letter, which stated, the watcher has won. Yeah, so that was actually another letter as well that happened. Once they started renting it out and not living there, literally they just got a letter that said the watcher has won. That's creepy. Yeah. Dude, okay, it's got to be, oh, dude, okay, let's, let's dissect this and then go over it. But, I mean, 
there's a couple things that stick out to me if you want to hop in with things you want to talk about from that because there's a ton that like like okay so there's a lot of things that make the broadest suspects in all of this yeah. but there's also a lot of things that absolutely make zero sense yeah like this is literally financially hurting them mm-hmm. they're not receiving any good pr for this and it's hurting their pay like their wallets big time yeah um like so we'll talk a little bit about the neighborhood so they started receiving these letters, and the neighbors around them were like, okay, you people just moved into this neighborhood, and you're causing, like, this news storm and stuff. The neighbors started, like, gossiping about them, saying, like, oh, it's them. They're doing all this to get a show and stuff. Mm. And the neighbors turned against them, dude. Like, the whole neighborhood hated the Broadus family. That's pretty horrible. Because they're like, how about you just stop, like, being crazy? He's like, they, the neighbors thought that the Broaduses had brought this upon the neighborhood. Okay, so let's think about this because this is making me think about the Watcher's letter where he's sending he's sending his soldiers at them, right? Mm-hmm. What if it's someone in the community that is the Watcher and he's referring to his soldiers as everyone in the same city? Maybe it's like a cult. Yeah, they're like turning people against his family. They're like, you're not one of us, so we're going to kick you out. I mean, it's, it's a deep, far-fetched theory, but, you know, anything's possible at this point. There's, yeah. There hasn't been a solution. Um, but... I don't know. I just think it's it's crazy. And the thing that really hurt the Broadus's case was the fact that Derek Broadus was also sending letters to the neighbors that hated him. Yeah. And was like cussing them out and threatening acts of violence against them. Yeah, straight like, up. Like, that is just hurting your case even more. Right. Especially for the fact that letters are the thing that caused all this mess, and now you're sending letters to someone in a neighborhood. Dude, okay. Like, that just is... That's just pointing the finger at you. Yeah. And on top of that, Kate, the one thing I want to address is the neighbors basically say that he has an undiagnosed mental illness at this point that, like, has never been resolved. But on top of that, I don't remember if you remember that psychological study of where they took college students to a mansion and they were trying to do, or no, no, no. I remember it was, I think it was on a game show and they actually had to, like, pay the victim a ton of money because they literally messed up his life forever. But they were doing a, like, game show to see if they could convince someone that they had done murder, even though they had not done it. So they, like, I believe, hired college students to come to the set, which was like a mansion. They told them to just party. And then they like made this crime scene with like a really you know, real-looking dead body. And then they uh, said it was one person in the house. And they turned everyone against that person in the house until they went crazy. And then I kid you not, within two days, because they were trying to see how long it would take, I believe it was a, within two days, he believed that he made he did that murder. He believed he did it. And they went through the game show and they broke him. And I believe they actually had to stop it at that point. But then after the fact, they had to pay him out millions because he was destroyed after that. Mm-hmm. Even though they told him it was fake, he was like, no, I, I killed that person. I did it. And it had fucked him up. So I'm like, I don't know how much we can like draw parallels between these two. But I mean, if you got this whole city turned against you, and specifically this husband and this family, the broadest family, like, could he not go crazy from that? Um, yeah, I think he could. And that mental illness could be attributed well, to them. And I think even if they're getting these letters and he has somewhat of a mental health issue, like, just thinking about you're not getting any sleep at night because you're worried about your kids. Yeah. And you're worried, like, at any moment someone could be peeking through your window. Oof. That's going to make you, that's going to literally drive you to insanity. Yeah. It's going to damage your mental health and turn you into, like, like, you're going to feel like you're very backed into a corner. So in Derek's case, I understand why he was, like, writing these hateful letters to the community. Like, saying, hey, you know, back off. You don't yeah. know shit. Straight up. 
I feel for him in that regard, but I think that he severely hurt his case by doing that. Yeah. It was not the right move. Definitely not. Oh, and other thing, last thing I had on this that I um, want to see your thoughts on, what do you think about him literally buying that house as like a get-rich-quick scheme where because of the area, he has a lot of potential to make a lot of money if he could build a two-unit house there? Because it could be like, not only do I have to rent this out to one family, I can rent out to two. This is a prime area. I could probably make double the money that I have right now or close to because it'd be smaller houses on the same property, but you could rent those out for really expensive. You know? um, it's definitely possible. What about this though? Yeah. The Langfords. What if she wanted to buy the house at a very discounted rate? So you think and that maybe she made she like a, sending the letters cause she was a real estate agent. So yeah. maybe she like, she want she was mad that the house wasn't listed with her or maybe she wanted to purchase the lot cause she wanted to like extend her house and oh, turn okay. it into something. I don't know. Yeah. But it's it's strange that there's literally a real estate agent living right next to them during all this. Dude, there's just so and many another things. Another thing that's crazy about that is like looking at pictures of the house and in the neighborhood, you could watch this family from your own window. Yeah. And you wouldn't even have to be at the window to see. Like you could be looking out like way far away from the window and still see what they're up to. You could have your window open in the summertime and hear like them talking all the time and like you're cause you're in such a close proximity. Yeah. So you could be watching them and listening to them without them even seeing your face. True. Very true. Like, you could be listening to them through, like, a curtain and your window's open or something, you know? Oh, God. So, there's also that, okay? But hopping into this next suspect, and this is going to be the third and final person we're going to yeah. talk about. This is super crazy. Like, it's just uh, it's just a random girl that the police... So, uh, the lead detective, um, his name was Detective Chambliss. One night, he and his partner were sitting in the back of a van parked on the boulevard, watching the house with a pair of binoculars. And at about 11 p.m., a car stopped in front of 657 Boulevard house, and it was there long enough for the detectives to grow suspicious. He traced the car to a young woman in a nearby town whose boyfriend lived on the same block as 657. Oh, God. The woman told Detective Chambliss, her boyfriend, okay, so they, they, ta- they talked to the girl who was in the car, and the woman told Detective Chambliss her boyfriend was into some really dark video games, including one in which he was p- playing as a specific character uh, named The Watcher. No. Oh, like, that God, was his bro. gamer tag. God, dude. So, like, this girlfriend is found in front of the house for a little bit, and you never know, it could have been the boyfriend in the car. Yeah. Because it was just the detectives that traced the car license plate. And it belonged to the girl. So it could have been the boyfriend in that car. Uh, yeah, definitely. Because maybe he was switching cars because like, he didn't want to like raise suspicion. Because yeah, at this definitely. point, he's going to know, like, yeah, there's cops around the house. There's security cameras around the house. Oh, God, dude. This so is so creepy. This guy is playing some creepy video games, and his gamer tag is literally The Watcher. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> like, so... Taking things too far. I don't far. know... I don't know how you explain that. I, maybe it's just some crazy coincidence, but as for the female DNA, Detective Chambliss figured that the girlfriend or maybe someone else could have helped write the letters, and the boyfriend was living elsewhere at the time, but Detective Chambliss says that he agreed to come in for an interview on two separate occasions. However, he didn't show up both times. Also very convenient. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That the guy never even showed up, but yet he agreed to. Uh, Detective Chambliss didn't have enough evidence to compel him to appear or force him to appear. Uh, with all the media attention dying down at this point, the case was dropped and uh, the detective moved on. 
Dude, like, honestly, out of, like, all the far-fetched theories that we've relatively gone over at this point, this one is just way above them all. Like, this one is way more realistic in the sense that I could actually 100% believe this theory. Because, like, all right, he won't come in for an interview. He's already got, like, an obsession with the Watcher. And he's got a girlfriend that he can easily use as a scapegoat. And she could write the letters for him. Like, this is really, you know, convincing. It's pretty convincing, but it's also like, I don't know. Maybe people would be just driving by the house because they were, they were like, they liked the story behind it. Okay. You know, like for example, okay. So from, from my life, there was a murder that happened about a year ago Mm. and this guy murdered this girl in his house and it was all over the news, all over the local news for a really long time. And he had cut up her body and burned her. Oh my God. It was in Salt Lake City. And so, like, literally three days later, I'm like, oh, I got to check this place out. So I literally drove by the house. Yeah. And I stopped there for a little bit. And there was a ton of police cars and stuff. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to (laughs) go. So, like, that could have been what was going on with it, you know? Yeah, okay. Because people like to, people are interested in that kind of stuff. I mean, shit, we got a whole podcast about this stuff. People like to, they like the dark stuff. Yeah. So that could have been it, you know? Like, this is going on and on. And maybe this guy's like, oh, this is kind of crazy. I'm going to go look at this house. Yeah. So that's true. Could have also been, it. I mean, that's like, okay, with Utah, like by itself, we have Michael Myers house. They filmed that movie in, in Utah. Like I've gone up to that and seen Michael Myers house. Like it's actually really cool. Ted it's Bundy's like, house also from Utah. Yeah, that's true. We breed some crazy people here. Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Utah, bro. <laughs> Those mountains that close us in, dude. We're not all crazy. I promise. Our secrets don't get out. All right. We're going to go over the conclusion and wrap things up for, all these theories and the story itself. So no one has ever been charged in the case, which was investigated by Westfield police with assistance from the union County uh, prosecutor's office. The house was put back on the market by the Broadduses in March of 2016. And the Broaddus family was able to resell their home in August of 2019 for $960,000, a fraction of the original price asking a $400,000 loss on the property. The new homeowners, have chosen to stay anonymous and have not reported any letters. Dude, okay, if it's the neighbors that bought it and they want to stay anonymous, how convenient would that be? Yeah, um, I don't think it would have been the neighbors that bought it, though. No? I think the police would have just immediately red flagged it because they were already (laughs) suspects. Yeah. So if they bought it, then they were probably just like, okay, we know it was you guys. You're buying it now, so. (laughs) But, like, also keep in mind, this thing was on the market for, what, 2016, 17, 18, 19, three, three and a half years. Yeah. So mm. if the neighbors were interested, I think they would have snatched it up before it could have even been bought. Don't okay. you? Yeah. Because literally this house is on the market for three and a half years. That's crazy. Okay, that's a good To have a point. house on the market that long. And they lost almost half a million. Plus, couldn't the value. buyers, like, I'm not sure because I haven't bought in a house, but I'm sure you can attest to this. Can't the buyers decline to sell it to someone they don't like, or is that not a thing? Um, yes, I think, I don't know specific state laws, but I'm going to go and say yes, they can. Okay, so, I mean, if they're selling it and the neighbor even put it in a proposal, Mm -hmm. they could be like, fuck you. Even if the offer was way high, they can still reject it. It's up to them. Okay. So. Damn. Yeah. Um, my final thoughts, I guess, about this whole situation. I think it's crazy, honestly. Like, it's crazy that this happened, like, so recent, too. Yeah. Literally, 2019. Last year. August of 2019. So literally only a couple months ago, this house was bought. Yeah. 
And so who do I think did it? Who do I think the watcher was? I'm going to go, dude, I have no idea, honestly. Like, this is one where I really don't have really any. you got to have a top suspicion. Who's your, like, most, like, suspected? I don't know, because there's just not enough evidence. Really, there's not. Same with, like, the police said, there's just not enough evidence. I mean, yeah. you can rule out the Langdons, or Langfords, sorry. You can rule out the Langfords, I think, because, like, what would be the reason? Yeah. I just don't see a reason behind it, and I think that, they, the guy had schizophrenia, so, okay, my top suspect, probably the Langfords. Okay. I'm just going to say it. I don't think it was them, but they're going to be my top suspect. Broadduses, I don't think it's the Broadduses because they were just losing so much money and they spent so much money putting up this front with teams of investigators. Like, they were already in a hard financial situation. I don't think they would even want to, like, like, they were trying to stay out of the shadows, like, stay in the shadows and all this. Yeah. I don't think they had any, I mean, unless this totally backfired on them. Yeah. And they thought that the city would approve splitting the lot into two, but I don't think it was, that was the case. Okay. So, because I think if that was the case, they would have stayed in the house. Yeah. And then just been like, oh shit, this didn't work. Let's just keep living here, you know? True. But the fact that they're living with Maria's mom this whole time and they're, they're legitimately terrified to go to the house. Yeah. Uh, the random girl, I think that it's just a series of, unfortunate circumstances and suspicious circumstances. Okay. You probably think differently, but I don't think that you can base that off of someone's gamer tag. No. Like, like it's very like it's evidence, but it's not enough. Yeah. Okay. Um, so my theory is actually none of the theories that are on there. I'm oh, going to go out on a limb and do something a little bit crazy here. So first thing that pops a red flag for me is this is a high, um, financially like stable type of area like this is top one percent of people we're talking about that can afford to live in this type of place like top one percent is definitely living in beverly hills hollywood area of california but i think this has got to be like the next place right behind those where the richest people in the world are living so for me this might like immediately flags myself as like an epstein island type of place where like literally it's going to be petty people are going to turn against each other they're going to have a really close-knit community that like probably knows each other because they're all in that top rich percentage of people. And my gut is telling me that, like, not cult, but that whole city probably turned against them because, one, this family bought the house, and I'm sure um, they didn't want them there at some point. And I'm sure someone in that city turned against them and started writing the letters as the watcher and pushed them out. So... The thing that kind of tells me this, though, is the fact that I feel like the police investigators did a horrible job. Like, really. They only have three suspects, and all of which are not even, like, convincing. Like, they're close. Like, I think that random girl gets really close to being a, like, really good victim. But, like, all the other ones, not really. So I feel like the police might have been paid off at this point. But And it could have just been one of those things where it's like, we're closing this case. It's kind of like Trump with his, you know, sexual assault cases. Pays him enough money, they shut up. But you know? we do have to consider the fact that they did do background checks on the majority of the proximity neighbors. Yeah. They did. The police did. Okay. So they actually did interview neighbors and do, like, I feel like the police work was decent compared to a lot of, a lot of cases we talk about. Yeah. But they eventually just said, we have to just throw it out because it's going to be a cold case. We have no evidence. Okay. But, but they did do background checks on the majority of the neighbors. I still feel like you could pay people off, though, because you could do a background check and not disclose information that's going to help the case, you know? 
Like you could just it's the same thing as running your scan on a you know a police computer. Like pull someone's license plate up and be like, oh yeah, they have like all these you know convictions, but you know whatever. But Alexa, stop. Alexa, stop. <laughs> but anyway, so far fetched theory. But long story short, I I don't know. I'm pretty convinced that there's something suspicious in the community going on, especially when everyone turned against them. Everyone hated this family. There's got to be a reason. Um, second theory for me is if it's not the community turning against the Broadus's family, it was the Broadus's family themselves that did that. Maybe it was just a convenient out for the husband. He's like, fuck this. This is basically giving me tons of anxiety and depression because everyone's like not enjoying our you know, company here in the city. They don't want us here. I'm literally going to give us an out, and here's the out. I'm going to start writing these creepy letters. But then again, the DNA with the woman on it, maybe he somehow his wife's DNA got on it or something. Like, I don't know. But I feel like they would have been able to pull that up. And that's where I get back to my main theory of police work maybe got paid off and wasn't done well at some point. Because, I mean, we got to be honest, though. Like, this, this happens. Not all the time. But, like, you, I mean, the police force is corrupt, more or less. There's people you can pay off. And that's every profession. You could pay off a top, you know, businessman to give you something. You could pay off. I mean, that's just how it works. A lot of people are convinced by greed. So, I don't know. I'm not sold on these theories. I think there's something crazy going on that they don't want to disclose. Yeah. I mean, it could be as crazy as that. Or, I mean, it still could be as crazy as a prank. Yeah. It could literally be in any of that scale. So, yeah. True. Um, it's unfortunate that we don't have anybody to blame for all this, but... Straight up. It's very... It's a good mystery to talk about. Yeah, for sure. Um, we get to close things up. Okay, so that wraps up Season 3, Episode 3, The Watcher of Westfield, New Jersey. Uh, this is the Dark Things Podcast. And once again, if you guys could do us a favor and give us a five-star rating on your platform of choice, whatever you listen to us on, if you do have an iPhone or an Apple product, Apple Podcasts would be an awesome place to re- leave a review for us so that way we can you know, stay relevant and get some more listeners in here if you enjoy the show. Um, along with that, check us out on social media. We are open on Twitter, Insta, and Facebook. We post regularly on all three. And whichever one you prefer to use, please uh, use that one by all means. And we'll see you on the next episode. See ya.